Warning. The podcast you are about to experience may contain content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Welcome to Villainology, a podcast revolving around our favorite personifications of humanity's darker side, and what truly makes them the scourge of their respective worlds. I'm your host, Rob Mobley, and we really hope your Valentine's Day didn't involve your heart being cut out with a spoon. For those of you that are new here, the basic idea is that I present each guest an opportunity to discuss at length someone who is widely considered to be a villain, and to offer their own personal insight as to why they find them so intriguing. These opinions are totally subjective, and I find that hearing the thoughts of other people on someone you either love to hate or hate to love helps to better understand these characters as a whole. Our guest today is someone who I first met in Orlando while he was still a citizen of the UK, and he has since gained his US citizenship, he got married, and has developed quite the resume, most recently with a successful presence on TikTok. He's an actor, an improv performer, and is a man clearly blessed with a rapier-sharp wit. Mr. Jason Blackwater. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. What do you look for in a good villain? I think for, for me, like the relationship with the protagonist is so important. If your protagonist is strong, then you need a, a strong countermeasure to that. And I think almost being the, the perfect foil to that, especially if you're kind of aiming for the same things, but you're going about it in completely opposite ways. I think that's for me, that's just perfect. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Your classic uh, Batman Joker, you know, it's just like that's that they 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 merge so well together because they have almost completely opposite ideals, and then you've got the Avengers Thanos dynamic where they're both kind of aiming for the same thing, completely counterintuitive ways. Well, that seems to lead perfectly into the topic of today's conversation. Tell us, Jason Blackwater, which villain have you chosen? I'm very, very happy to uh, be talking about the the scourge of the serf class, the uh, the lackey to the royal class, the one, the only sheriff of Nottingham. Just a minute. Robin Hood steals money from my pocket, forcing me to hurt the public, and they love him for it. Yes. That's it. Then. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. The treasury is empty. All day and all night, people plague my door, whining for tax relief and safe passage through Sherwood Forest. We cannot pay thee what the highwayman has taken. It's the shortest route to London, sire. It's the only road to London, you little ferret. Sir Guy's patrols have found nothing, sire. No camp, nothing. This hooded viper simply slithers into the forest. You, Myram, 10.30 tonight. You, 10.45. Bring a friend. So why the sheriff? You know, for me, there's always been a Robin Hood for every time in my life. You know, as a child, Robin Hood, the Disney's Robin Hood, was almost permanently on... Between Robin Hood and Beauty and the Beast, they were basically on rotate on VHS when I was a kid. 
And then as I got a little bit older, there was this great t- kids TV show on the BBC called Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, where it just completely turned the genre on its head. You had this kind of very strong female Robin Hood type character who was actually Maid Marian. And then the Robin Hood, who was uh, Robin of Kensington, was this very kind of just this very weak, very pathetic character. And it kind of, you know, it was just really fun to see a, a different dynamic in the story. Kensington, not Loxley. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like, because he was, he was a, a character who was actually like, he was a tailor and had like a shop. The first episode features him having just sewn the Prince John's underpants, which gives a very clear indication of what the tone of the show was. <laughs> and Maid Marian the whole time is trying to rescue her pet tadpole. Very, very silly. The Sheriff of Nottingham sure. is played by Tony Robinson, who is Baldrick in the Blackadder series. Wow. And and they everyone has like a look to camera when they have something to say on the what's going on. Just super, very silly, very fun. And then getting older, like my the first single I ever owned was uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ah. <laughs> I remember... I came home one day and from school and my dad had bought it and it, I still remember exactly what it looked like, cardboard wrapping on the tape and it was in the fruit bowl on the coffee table in the middle of the room. And now as like a grown up and being kind of more politically active and, and politically aware, like looking at the story as a whole and how it's kind of very clear why I'm, I am the way I am, that kind of redistribution of wealth. Sure. Taking care of the poor and, and all of that. So we know that these stories have grown and evolved from their old English roots. What differences are there between the sheriff that we have been presented with in the present compared with its original iteration in the old English poems and stories? Oh, wow. So in doing my sort of re-research for for this podcast, I found that basically the Robin Hood story that we're all familiar with is a lie. Uh, There's almost (laughs) no... There's almost no element that we accept as the true story of Robin Hood that is remotely connected to the original story of Robin Hood. So the connection to Maid Marian didn't come in until much later and wasn't even part of the original tales. It was combined with a French story that was also celebrated at the time around May. Um, Him being um, uh, a bowman first. Nonsense. He was a swordsman first. He was very good with a bow and arrow, but it wasn't his primary weapon. Even robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, not connected in the initial stories. He was a thief, but it was just kind of a fuck you to the, to the Sheriff of Nottingham, basically. Like, I, I, can, I can do this and not get punished. What are you going to do about it? So in terms of like the original story and where, what we see of it now, all that really remains is that animosity between Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. And the fact he wore green. I think that's pretty much it. Now, you, from what I understand, found a very interesting aspect of that. Why did he wear green? So it was it was made aware to me by one of my one of my followers on TikTok that it's possible that the entire story was invented to sell green dye. Huh. It was an advertisement for for fabric dyeing in the area because Nottingham is a, is was a big fabric center uh, of industry. Sure. And it may well be, it's like there was this story and they attached the green color to it in order to sell green dye. Can you imagine the person in PR that's just like, if, they, if you were to bring them to the future, wait, y'all are still talking about this story? <laughs> 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 I, I just did this as a marketing ploy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Robin, Robin, 
Robin Hood probably wore green, guys. I've got some green fabrics you might like. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say motivates the Sheriff of Nottingham? Well, it's it's funny, like looking back at all of the, the, the film and TV iterations, there seems to be this sort of spread of motivations between the Sheriff of Nottingham, Prince John and Guy of Gisborne. And they all kind of, their roles in the Robin Hood story kind of flip between them. But primarily, Sheriff of Nottingham, for whatever reason, wants to capture, embarrass and kill Robin Hood. For whatever reason. Either to get him out of the way so he can have Maid Marian for himself. Or to help Prince John gain the throne of, of England. Which, by the way, A, he did. And B, the original poem's specifically mentioned that Edward was king during the time. So even that side of things is nonsense. So it's not Richard the Lionheart. It's not Richard the Lionheart, apparently. <laughs> it was definitely incorporated into the stories quite quickly because Prince John was was so hated and the Sheriff of Nottingham at the time of John was so hated. So I think that's where the, the story changed. Or just to, just to be rich. Like another motivation of his is just to have power, be rich. And if that meant the, the starvation of the poor, then so be it. With all that being said, especially with the latter portion of what you said about just trying to gain wealth, I mean, would you consider the sheriff evil or was he simply doing his job? I don't think he's motive. Like, I don't think he's evil in the same way that, say, like your monster movie villain is evil. Like, their only motivation is death and destruction. Like, and that's sufficient. I think he is, he's caught between the people above him, Prince John, Guy of Gisborne in some cases and the the people below him and the people below him have to get out of the way in order for him to succeed in what he's doing it's more that he is indifferent to the plight of those people who uh, are lesser than him than he is actively against them until robin hood upsets the mold and he uses the people to punish and flush out robin hood when he is like the worst culprit of embarrassing him is there anything redeemable about him in some instances so if you take Prince of Thieves, he's very funny. Um, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's another thing I look for in a villain, actually. I think it's just the, having the best lines in a movie. You can take Alan Rickman's performance. Like When he was given the script for Prince of Thieves, he turned it down twice because he thought the script was so bad. So they, they pursued him, and eventually they had to offer him carte blanche on his performance for him to accept the role. And so he brought in like friends of his to help rewrite his lines and also improvised a bunch of it. So like the, the cut his heart out with a spoon line was an ad lib at the time. So they had to change script later down the line in the story in order to give the, the exchange with Guy of Gisborne that what Sir Wire Spoon section. It's dull, you twit, it'll hurt more. <laughs> I love that line so much. Yeah, and a lot of his and a lot of his best like the cancel Christmas line ad-libbed. So he was just given this sort of free reign to do what he wanted. And as a result, he completely stole the movie, much to Kevin Costner's chagrin. Well, Kevin Costner also didn't do a dialect for most of the movies. So. Uh, it's funny you bring that up, actually. I uh, In my research, I found out that originally they were going to cast Carrie Elwes as Robin Hood, but he didn't. He, he thought the script was rubbish, so he turned it down. And then they were also going to give the part of Marion to Robin Wright. Of course, they're both both in Princess Bride. Yeah, that was part. Of, so, central casting of Carrie Elwes was what got him the role in Men in Tights two years later. Of course, as well as his performance in Princess Bride, which alerted Mel Brooks to his existence. What would you consider in that case the best iteration of not only the Sheriff of Nottingham but of the Robin Hood legend in general? So, 
I was pretty much ready to say that like the most epic performance is Alan Rickman. Like he's it's totally iconic. Everyone remembers that movie for Alan Rickman's performance. The the story almost completely falls by the wayside because Alan Rickman is so good. I've got a little place in my heart for Pat Buttram's performance in Disney's Robin Hood. Oh, sure. Especially with like they wanted initially it to be the Robin Hood story set in the Wild West, which is why there's so many of these kind of southern like cowboy accents in it. But having having watched the 1938 Robin Hood for the first time this week, I really, really enjoyed Melville Cooper's performance. He's this kind of like this really sniveling, like Terry Jones-esque character for, from uh, Monty Python. He's got this really great line during, there's this big fight in Nottingham Castle where, where Errol Flynn has come in with a deer and has sat down at the king's table and is being his arrogant self. And then the fight breaks out and the sheriff like half-heartedly holds Prince John back and says, I'll protect you, sir. I'd get him myself if only I could reach him. And it's, 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 this, it's just this absolutely hilarious line of this like pathetic, like false knight narrative. It's just, just so fun. And I found out because of the... A lot of the stunts in that movie you just would not get away with now. Sure. Like people jumping out of trees onto, the, onto people who are on horses... Every arrow fired and and that hits was fired by a professional archer into an actor. So all of the stunt actors had uh, these padded metal plates with balsa wood ahead of them in order for a professional archer to fire an actual arrow into their back or front or whatever was necessary. It's interesting that you bring that up because I also heard something similar about like they would use real bullets in a lot of these guns. I mean, it's not Robin Hood, but I know uh, Cecil B. DeMille apparently was, was very big on using real gunfire to the point where I think Jimmy Cagney on the public enemy, they were shooting actual bullets at him and he eventually had to say, nah, not doing that. And that's what I think eventually led to the screen actors guild. It's funny you should mention Jimmy Cagney because he was originally going to be the Robin Hood in the 1938 Robin Hood, but he was filming something else. And so they brought in Errol Flynn instead. I think they made a good choice there. Oh yeah. <laughs> it would have been interesting to see Jimmy Cagney as Robin Hood. And just like that, that cemented in everybody's mind, like what, who Robin Hood was, what he was supposed to be, this kind of like adult Peter Pan type character. Just brilliant. Now, from what I understand, you've also seemed to have found some interconnectedness between the various iterations. Yeah, I don't know if it's just about the the number of uh, British actors there are in the world, but it does seem to be this kind of, this connectedness between the Robin Hood iterations. Like you've got Sean Connery, who of course is King Richard in Prince of Thieves. He previously played Robin Hood in the TV adaptation, an older Robin Hood, TV adaptation called uh, Robin and Marion. In Prince of Thieves, there's also a lower level character called Hal, who turns up in Maid Marian and Her Merry Men in a much more prominent role. There's a character called Rabies. What a great name. <laughs> the the guy who played Little John in the 1938 edition, that was the second of three times that he'd played Little John in various productions, either TV or film. It's just it's just mad. And then, of course, the what I mentioned before, like Carrie Elwes was originally going to be playing Robin Hood, but then he ended up playing Robin Hood in Men in Tights instead. Well, it's amazing the legacy specifically Errol Flynn's iteration had on just pop culture in general. I mean, we know that he, you know, went on to inspire Oliver Queen with the Green Arrow and all sorts of, you know, pulp-ish And heroes. also he uh, was the he was the primary inspiration for Flynn Rider in Tangled. Sure. I mean, well, yeah, with, the, with the, the name. What do you think the Sheriff of Nottingham best represents? So now I'm now I'm older. 
I am really starting to sort of see in him this representation of absolute power corrupting absolutely. Him being the kind of representation of the working person's use to the political class's gains. How that for for whatever reason, like so, this is all said supposedly. If we if we're going by by what we believe to be canon, like it's during the Crusades, both Richard and then John are taxing the people to high ends to to finance this cause overseas, uh, to the expense of their own people. And the sheriff is like the crux of all of that. He's like the visible face of all of the terrible things going behind the scenes in government and in politics and all that side, and it's his uh, exacting that on the people and and causing poverty that way and right now it's such a shame that they're beefing the robin hood story so hard because i think more now more than ever it's such an important story to tell about this the, the power in the people i think is the core of the whole story is like there's power in the people to exact their own future and the last two iterations they're not about that they're almost about like the showy elements of it like, isn't it great to, you know, fire bows and arrows? Isn't it, you know, this, that and the other? But it doesn't tell the, the story as it should be. And the sheriff is like, is that sort of central point of it. He's the public face of that. Final thoughts. What does the sheriff mean to you personally? He is like the the, the kind of the, for me, like now I'm 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 older and I am more politically motivated and I'm, I'm, I'm more politically active now more than ever. Now I've moved over to the United States. Like, for me, he is that kind of the focal point of exactly what I want to to achieve and what I want what I want the world to achieve in as much as he's like that force that is that is telling the people that they have no power. He's that force that is that is controlling access to power. And for me, like that is that that we're living through that right now, and that, that we we the people we have we have more power than we're allowed to believe we we have, and that's that's why it's uh, I think that's why why it's so important to me now. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me on. It's been great. I'm gonna leave a link for the ACLU in the description below. What can you tell us about them, Jason? The ACLU are doing great things for focused political uh, financial resources. Throughout the United States, they take on a lot of legal cases in situations where people aren't getting their fair access to trial and, and legal representation and things like that. Thank you so much, Jason. This was like this is seriously so great. Thank you. I'm also going to leave a link for several Venmo accounts where you can donate towards aiding the victims in Texas currently dealing with the loss of their basic infrastructure and food supply. I know a lot of people down there, particularly in Austin where my sister lives, are finding themselves in dire straits right now because of the winter storm and need all of the help they can get. Now, I know times are already tough, what with unemployment still being where it is nationwide, but if you have anything that you can spare to help them as well, please consider any one of the links I will leave below in the description. Thank you to Ross Lamper for composing the theme song to this podcast. He's a brilliant guy, and if any of you out there are in the market for any sort of music production needs, head on over to his website at daggerandink.com. And thank you, listener, for carving out a little bit of time for us today. If you like the show, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram at Villainology Podcast and on Twitter at Villainology Pod. I'm also on Twitch about three times a week playing all sorts of games, and I'd love to hang out with you all. So come follow me at twitch.tv backslash Rob underscore Mobley. Feel free to give us a review if you like what we're doing and drop us a comment on who you'd like to see discussed next. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Stay foolish, mortals. Ha 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 ha